0: This is Revision Church Atlanta podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Wesley Knight, the lead pastor here at Revision Church Atlanta. Here at RCA, we leverage the power of prayer, personal influence, community development, and love to empower transformation in Christ. We hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Thank you for tuning in. For the word of the Lord, even through praise and worship, we are indeed blessed by this opportunity that we have to worship God today. Thank you, Kenneth, and praise team for leading us, for leading us Amen. in realizing that he is able, that he is able. And so we praise God. We we praise God. We are indeed grateful today. And uh, we're also grateful for our, our media team. Uh, Because our media team has indeed been working hard. We had some technical difficulties this morning. That's why we started just a few minutes late. But I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for them. Uh, Just troubleshooting. Shout out to Duran Carrington and JS and to uh, Asia and Ajani. Um, who are serving some of them, um, just some of the team, the media team that's with us and serves with us, and we're grateful for all that you do. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. And today, indeed, is a day to celebrate the goodness of God. I want to uh, remind you that next week, next Saturday, next Sabbath will be our church organizing ceremony. You say, what does that mean, preacher? I'll tell you. What it means is is that Revision Church Atlanta is officially joining the family of churches under the spiritual supervision of the Georgia Cumberland Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. Now that's a mouthful. What, What that really means is that while we have been operating and serving as a church, we are now being recognized by the Georgia Cumberland Conference, which has spiritual supervision over this area, over many Adventist churches. And so we're going to be joining them in being recognized. Uh, as a church in this conference next week. So we hope that you'll be with us. It's gonna be an amazing time. Of course, we'll always be online. We're gonna live stream it. We will be in person at the Metro City Church where we worshiped just last week and where we have been worshiping in person really for the last six or seven weeks. So if you are in the area, we invite you to please don't miss it. Please come and join us. For if you are a Revision Church member, This is a really important important part in our history we want you to be there a lot of our members still and that's fine we worship at home for different reasons but this is one of those uh, sabbaths this is one of those days where we come together Uh, that we really want all of our members to be there. We are actually going to sign, literally, physically, sign the charter of Revision Church Atlanta so that you can be uh, in the historical record that says you are a charter member, a founding member, of Revision Church Atlanta. So all of our members in the area, we'd love for you to be with us. We see you. We see you in the chat. We thank you so much. It's it's celebration time, and we hope that you'll be with us. All of the uh, conference administration and leaders will be with us. Uh, these overseers, if you will, will be with us, and we're looking forward to a great time next week in person. Registration will open. In fact, I think it's already open. Registration is already open on our website, revisionchurch.com atlanta.org. And so you could simply go there and register anytime today. We would want to, I think we're going to close that registration around uh, tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, please make sure that you register today and don't Delay. All right. And we're looking forward to you being with us as we celebrate in a special way. We actually got people who are flying in from out of town and from other countries to be here for this ceremony. It's going to be an amazing time. Same time, same place. And today, speaking of Revision Church, our leaders are going to be gathering. I'm going to ask you to pray for all of our ministry leaders. Our leadership team will be gathering today immediately after this worship service as we are going to be talking about what God has for our church in the future. We're not just getting together to plan programs or events, but really to prayerfully and intentionally align ourselves with the strategies of heaven so that we can get this mission done. And so we really hope that you'll pray for us today um, and we're looking forward to what God is going to do. I told you the second half of this year is going to blow your minds what God is about to do and we're looking forward to it. Well, today we have a word from the Lord. We're coming from John chapter 8. We're going back to John chapter 8. Last week we started a series called Shameless. And today we are going to continue in John chapter 8. We're going back to the same pericope of scripture, the same passage, John chapter 8, but we're going to read these few verses 9 through 11. Pointing your attention back to this, because God indeed has a word to say to us. I want to share with you, for those of you who missed part one, it's okay. Sit with us today and then go back and watch part two and ex- uh, part, part one and experience part one, because that's really the setup for what you're going to hear today. It is the context in a real sense of what God wants to share with us today. And so make sure you go back and watch and experience part one so that you can fully appreciate part two. Today in John chapter eight, verses nine through 11, here is the word of the Lord. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Mm -hmm. Go, and from now on, sin no more. I want to just really draw your attention to this phrase in verse 9. Let's look at verse 9 again. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, Mm -hmm. and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Mm. Today, we continue our series, Shameless. Mm -hmm. If I were to give a subtitle to this one, this part two, uh, I call it, What a Shame. This is Shameless, part two. What a shame. Father, have Mm -hmm. your way. For if we ever needed the Lord before, we sure do need you now. Would you move in this moment, stand wherever we are sitting, and God, would you, with your authority, speak to everything in our lives that would seek to steal this blessing, arrest our attention. May we intentionally lean in as you speak to your people, and we thank you in advance for what we're about to experience in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Bible says and records that this woman who they caught in adultery is now standing by herself as the Pharisees from the oldest to the youngest have walked away. I would like to suggest to you at the outset of this message That sometimes uh, hmm, Hmm. there is a blessing when people walk away. My God. There are people who are in your life only to trouble you. To accuse you, to torment you, to hurt you, and to remind you of what you've done. And it's a good thing. When God allows them, huh? When God orchestrates you, for them, when God sets it up so that they walk away. May I suggest to you at the outset that according to this story, the right people walked away. because sometimes God mm, blesses you not by addition but by subtraction (laughs) I'm already preaching I hope y'all get this that sometimes God blesses you not only by addition but by subtraction he blesses you by subtracting uh complainers he blesses you by subtracting people who only take but never give he blesses you from subtracting those who always criticize but never encourage he blesses you by subtracting those who sap your strength your energy and your hope god will bless you by subtract can anybody just thank god in the chat right now for subtraction I'm grateful today for the fact that he took away some people. And sometimes the right people walk away. Please don't miss it. It's not just a play on words, but intentional language. The right people people walked away. See, the Pharisees were there only to accuse her. They caught her in adultery. They called her out for her sin. Uh They dragged her out in public. They exposed her. But when Jesus stepped into the mix, the right people walked away. And you, in all your praying today, better pray that God allowed the right people to leave your life. The right people to unfriend you, the ah, right people to stop following you, the you. right people to stop uh, being in your in your sphere of influence. You, you ought to praise God that the right. People walked away. Because mm. without their complaining, you can grow now. No, without yeah. their criticizing, you can be more confident. Without, yes. without, their, without their accusations, you can be more rooted and grounded oh, in somebody. your purpose. Yes. Somebody here is free today because the right person walked away. You are better now, homegirl. Uh, you are better now, right now, in this situation without him in your life. Brother, you are Better now You're without better. her sliding into your DMs. You ought to no, thank no. God He blesses not only by addition by subtraction. Yes, God. Ah so may I suggest to you today that God needs some people. You need some people to walk away from you so that you can move forward. Ah, so 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 lean into this. Mm-hmm. Not every loss is to be mourned. Ooh, oh god. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yes, yeah, some people walking away is to be celebrated. Yes. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, 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 you ought to thank God And you ought to praise God I don't know why you're sad I don't know why you miss them. Sometimes you're only Watch this Sometimes you're only missing uh, The fantasy yeah, 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 yeah. Of a relationship that was never real yeah, never, never. And so you miss them But when you really examine it You're not missing anything Worth missing You ought to thank God The right people Ah, walked away, and in this woman's situation uh-huh. ah, in this woman's situation, the Pharisees who were there to accuse her to expose her to bring her down yeah. they walked away Bye-bye. but as i as I peruse the pericope and mm-hmm. and, and and look at the passage i I saw something that I know so many of you, you're such an intelligent group, you're 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 such a wise group of people. I know you probably saw it, but it took some time for me to notice that while the right people walked away, mm-hmm. the Pharisees, the wrong people also walked away. Stay with me. Oh, Come okay, here. Come here. Okay. For the Bible says that she's alone with Jesus. Uh-huh. The context of this content helps us to understand that when this story first opened, remember it's the woman, it's the Pharisees, her Mm -hmm. accusers, Mm -hmm. and a crowd of people that came from the temple. In fact, the Bible says in verse 2 of John 8 that all the people from the temple flocked over to see this sight of this woman who was caught in adultery. Mm, don't miss this. Uh-huh. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. Uh-huh. So if indeed the woman was there, Jesus was there. Yes. The accusers were there, and all the church people were there. Ooh. We celebrate that her accusers left. But there's a problem. Yes, there mm. is. Because the wrong people also left. Mm. The church people who were at the temple, the church people, the worshipers of Jehovah, they also walked away. Oh, Oh, y'all gonna feel me in a minute. She is standing in her shame Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and nobody from the temple checks Mm -hmm. on her. My God. She has been embarrassed. Mm -hmm. She has been called out. She has figuratively Emotionally, psychologically, wow. spiritually, wow. and literally been exposed. Ooh, and no church people from the temple ever checked on her. Ooh, I'm going somewhere today. Um, um, remember, uh, the context is there's a crowd there, uh-huh. but the crowd leaves with the Pharisees, and nobody checks on the woman nobody checked on her mental health status all right now. nobody stopped to check how she was feeling yeah and nobody even stopped to ask her name they only gathered to ask what's her shame hmm. all, right. all the people at the temple followed the Pharisees to find out what defense they had for what Jesus had written in the ground about them. But please don't miss this, no one checked on the woman. What a shame that these worshipers didn't have enough compassion, enough awareness, enough emotional intelligence and strength to realize that when someone has been exposed Uh you don't walk away. Uh That when someone has been called out publicly, you don't walk away. I want to I want to hang out here because, that's right, Chris, they, they didn't, I hope you caught it, there's intentionality today, that they did not know her name. They only came to see and know her shame. Yes. They didn't check on her, and here's where I'm going today, because shame is part of church culture. and they were used to shaming Uh people Uh and that's why they never checked on her emotional mental health status they never checked to see if she was okay no sister from the crowd Uh uh, snuck out to say girl can I get you something to cover you up do you need some tea do you need a place to stay do you need something how can I help you No, the church got up and left her. May I suggest to you today Mm -hmm. that shaming, the act of shaming, is not just what you say to people. All right. Preach this, Holy Ghost. But the way the church often shames is not just through what we say, but what we don't say. We shame people by not speaking a word of encouragement when they are obviously in pain. The way the church often shames is through neglect Mm -hmm. and abandonment. Mm -hmm. So the crowd abandons her to stay in her shame. Uh, Don't miss the magnitude of this moment because while the right people walked away, she needed Uh the godly people, um, people full of compassion and love and understanding to stay with her. But the way that shame works and shame grows is it grows in isolation. And one of the things the church of God does not understand today is that too many people are living in shame Uh because the right people, the people who God has ordained to help, the people who God has called to be loving have walked away. Can I talk about it today? They saw nothing wrong with shaming her because, watch this, shame was part of their culture. Mm. The reason they even gathered. They left, watch this, church people left the place of worship to come see a woman caught in her shame. Ooh, just, Don't just, just, just. Wait a minute. Um, you do know church folks still do this. Yeah, we do. That they leave not the place, but the mindset, the uh-huh. space uh-huh. of worship. They turn their attention from the things of God so they can turn their attention yeah. on your messes, on your mistakes, uh-huh. on your unwise decisions, on your public. Am I talking to anybody hey, here no. today that the, the church still does that? Yeah. We still leave our places and our spaces of uh-huh. worship to focus our attention on other folks' business. We want to know why she got that little belly bump. Uh We want to know why we ain't seen Johnny for a little while. We want to know why they're down there on vacation together and Uh they ain't got no ring. We want to know Uh why they got the same address when they had separate addresses. Uh We turn our attention from what's happening in worship so that we can see the mess of somebody else. Mm -hmm. Why? Because church has all Ways had a shame culture. I'm going to preach this whether you like it or not. Because some medicine don't taste good, but it's good for you. Somebody better, Somebody better pray for me. They saw nothing wrong with shaming her because shame was part of church culture. Here it is. We have people who are living with shame and they can't come to anybody in the church because shame is part of church culture. You may ask, well, pastor, how do we collectively, how have we historically shamed people? I'm glad you asked, because we shame people for not reading or knowing the Bible. How do we do this? We as preachers are guilty of it. When we stand up there and say, turn to this certain book of the Bible, and then we say, well, if you don't know it, that means you ain't been in church for a while. We shame people for not knowing where certain biblical books are found. We shame people, not only that way, we shame people, uh, watch this, vegans shame vegetarians oh, oh. for still eating dairy products, Wait a minute. while vegetarians come on, come on. shame carnivores for still eating meat. Y'all know you've heard yeah, this, yeah. you still on that red meat, uh-huh. you don't know you want to leave that alone, don't you know? And then we'll quote, we'll erroneous out of context yeah. quote stuff that says or that vegans or vegetarians or those who have the original diet are in some way more holy than those who are still exactly. eating meat we have always had shame I'm still I'm yeah, still not I even through right. we taught watch this young people specifically young girls to feel ashamed of their body's natural development on, by staying hyper focused on what they were wearing to church while at the same time we celebrated the development of male masculinity Uh and machoism I just said something so we told young women to wash the length of their skirts and to stay away from all them boys Uh but when we saw them boys chasing those skirts we just said boys will be boys and we shamed women I'm preaching already. We shamed women into believing that something was wrong with their sensuality. Uh Something was wrong with their development. Something was wrong with their curves. Something was wrong and dysfunctional with their beautiful femininity. We robbed them of the beauty and glory of being a woman because we told them to be ashamed. We've always had shame culture in the church. Can I push it a little bit further? No, no. Uh, so, so, so when, uh, so we shame people. Watch this for for their natural sexual desire, huh, oh, while the church has rarely talked openly about sex, sexual desire, and sexual pleasure. Our deafening silence has taught generations of people that they should be ashamed of their sexual passion Uh and sexual behavior. So Uh when you got pregnant, I'm talking to somebody today, or when you got her pregnant, uh-huh. they encourage you to hurry up and get married. You better preach, Holy Ghost, because if not, you will. people will define you by what you did. And so that's why they used to say in church, oh, she's loose. Oh, she's oh. a freak. Oh, oh she's, uh, the old folks oh. used to say, she fast. Oh, yeah, that's what Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. All that was was shaming. Huh, uh. And she... What a shame that we would put labels on people Uh who have been bought by the very blood of Jesus. Jesus. I wish I'd see you in the chat to understand uh, that it's our shame that we would uh, put a label on somebody who's learning how to trust him, learning how to love him, learning how to Uh, work out their salvation with fear and trembling. But the church has always been busy Shaming. Yeah, the church turtle taught us that the woman who got pregnant before getting married was someone unholy and unwanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of separating her from her actions, yeah. we defined and confined oh, her yeah, yeah, yeah. by her actions. And that church is called shaming. Yeah. But can I listen? I'm still not even through on this thing because some of y'all don't even know. God help them to get this I today. Don't. Oh! The reason you can't even fully get with this church thing. The reason why you're one foot in and one foot out. The reason why you're inconsistent in your worship life. The reason why every now and again you don't feel like even opening your Bible is because the church taught you a shame culture by their neglect of you when you needed them the most. See, some of y'all are saying, Pastor, you ain't talking to me because ain't nobody said something Crazy to me. I'm not talking about the stuff they said about you or to you. I'm talking about the stuff they should have said to you that they never said to you. I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the folk that they came and they told you what you do in getting pregnant out wedlock. I'm talking about the majority of saints that refused to buy anything for your baby. I'm talking about the majority of the saints. That refused to throw you a baby shower I'm talking about the majority of the saints Who didn't pick up the phone to call you hey! I'm, ta- hey, I'm talking about the majority of the saints Who were silent in your pain Who abandoned you in your crisis Who said nothing to you When God was trying to use them To encourage you I'm talking about not the sin of commission I'm talking about the, the sin, sin of omission. The, they omitted to pray for you. Oh God, they omitted God, to encourage God. you. They omitted to cash up you. Oh, they omitted to bless you. Hey. And that's because of shame. Jesus. We've always had a culture of shame. Oh God. This ain't new. It ain't new, it's right here in the text. I'm not tangential today. I'm textual today. It's right there. They walked away. All the worshipers walked away. All the praisers walked away. All the runners walked away. All the lifters of hands walked away. All the prayer warriors walked away. All the ministry leaders walked away. And all she has is her shame and her savior. Uh, uh, ah, how Church has always been a place of shame. Mm-hmm. Shame people. We shame them for the purpose. I want you to get this. Uh, we shame people for the purpose mm-hmm. of modifying their behavior. That is it. Now, now, now I, I hope you're taking notes today because I'm going heavy today. That that, is the, it. You got to get this. The reason we neglect. And abandon mm-hmm. when people need us the most. And the reason why people did the same thing to us mm-hmm. is because who, you gotta get this. Collectively, okay. shame culture mm-hmm. is about shaping behavior. It is. Yeah. We we neglect to encourage you when you need it. Because we believe if we don't encourage you somehow your shame will make you feel so bad about what you've done that you'll change your behavior. behavior. Uh-huh. Crazy. Crazy. Oh, I'm trying to preach this, Donovan. Pray for me. I'm trying, Jewel. I want you to get this because we believe that if they feel bad enough, y'all know I'm telling the truth, <laughs> We believe it, it's not spoken. This is implicit. It is not. It, it, it's never really spoken, no. but it is a subconscious yeah. collective understanding that if people believe, uh, we believe that if people feel bad enough about themselves, yeah. they will change their behavior. The goal of shame culture yeah. is to correct and control behavior. So church people do this because we are seeking to correct how people live. And by doing so, we can control how they behave so we can all be the same. This is tweetable. Write this down. The goal is not to transform. Uh. The goal is that we are all uniform. Uh. Woo, Jesus. The awesome. goal, I'm going to say it again, no, no. is not to transform. No, no. When you don't talk to the person who sinned, when you side-eye the person who just got off parole or just got out of prison, when you don't reach out to the person who has publicly messed up, when you don't put your loving arms around those who've been publicly disgraced, the goal is not to transform. The goal is that we are all uniform. Shame is the tool we use, then, to keep each other in line. And shaming is not just looking at people funny. Shaming is not looking at people at all oh. when they need to be seen. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, just a minute. My God. Huh? I might not even get through all of this today. Huh? I promise you we're going to do part three. Uh, because you got to understand yeah. this. Shaming is not what you think it is. You think shame is when somebody says shame on you or someone makes you feel bad for what you've done by speaking negative things to you or over you. But you've got to understand that shame has a spiritual component. It does. It is not just emotional. It is not just sociological. It is indeed spiritual. For watch this. It is the objective objectification of someone based on something they do. So we make the person an object that is subject Mm -hmm. to their own behavior. I just said something. When we make a decision that a person is something because they did something, we begin to attempt to shame them and here it is and when we can shame them we can frame them mm-hmm. we can frame them as unspiritual mm-hmm. you pretty- we can frame them as unfaithful yeah we can frame them as weak y'all better hear me today, let me come a little bit closer save me a seat on your couch I'm going to sit right down beside you that's why in conservative, fundamentalist based Uh congregations Uh who are so against certain things being worn certain things being worn certain things being worn, worn, that these congregations watch this, you know this shame happens because when you see the person get the ears pierced, or when you see the person get their skin tatted. When you see the person get a piercing somewhere, you would never get pierced. What happens is, because shame frames, we will frame them as dang serious about their relationship with Jesus. Because if they were, they'd act like the rest of the group. God. You preaching up in here, Holy Ghost. And what I came to let you know today, what I came to do is set at liberty the captives of shame because the church, instead of being an arbiter of compassion, has become a weapon in the hand of the enemy to shame people. Watch this into condemnation. Because we're shaming. Hallelujah. The folks who should have stayed, should have. when they walked away, your Bible says yes. it's the woman and it's Jesus. It's the woman and it's Jesus. Yeah, and When you're standing there in your shame, when everyone has walked away from you and they ain't checked on you because of what you've done they heard cuz they saw it on facebook they heard cuz somebody texted them and told them what you did the glory of god is that when everybody else walks away when the church because of their shame addiction lets you down aren't you glad that jesus is the only one left standing there now i could just shout on that but i got to press forward cuz i'm almost out of time if you're still with me, say yes. Put it in the chat. Huh? Come on, come on. If you're still with me, throw that in the chat. Say yes. yes. Watch this. Watch this. Jesus is the only one standing with her. Uh-huh. The wrong people walked away, uh-huh. the right people walked away, uh-huh. and yet it's just Jesus uh-huh. and her shame. And Jesus introduces something. If you get this today, I promise you it will radically transform your life. <laughs> Jesus introduces what I call the strategy of grace. Okay. It's the strategy of grace. Yeah. For I would submit to you that grace is not just a theological idea, it is a strategy. Yeah. Grace is not just unmerited favor. It's a strategy. strategy. Grace is not just being treated better than you deserve. Hey, it's a Ah, strategy. Grace is a strategy, uh, write this down, of recognizing and restoring a person's being Ah. beyond that person's doing. Wait a minute! I'm telling you, I got revelation on this. Y'all better write this down. I'm going to do it again. Grace is the strategy that God uses of recognizing and restoring a person's being beyond a person's doing. (laughs) So that in a real sense, uh, let me do it a third time for you. Grace is the strategy, hallelujah, of recognizing and restoring. A person's being beyond that person's doing. Ooh. Simplified. Ooh. Grace Simplified. is the way God restores his image in you. Amen. And grace ain't just something he slaps on the end of your sin. Grace ain't something we just shout about at the end of a sermon. Grace is a strategy that includes specific actions and attitudes that create a new possibility yes. in your humanity. Woo, God, I love Amen. it. I love it, I love it. I gotta go, I gotta go. Um, but but you gotta get this. So I introduced grace as a strategy. Can I tell you the three components? Uh, It's first, address shame. Yes. Number two, remove or refute condemnation. And number three, empower empowerment to live differently. The great strategy. Remember, it's not just a theological idea. It ain't just something we shout about at the end of a sermon. It's a strategy that has three components. It addresses your shame then removes any part of condemnation, and then empowers you to live differently. I'm in the text. You guys are Bible students. You guys are reading. You know it's right there in the text. Mm -hmm. For the Bible says that Jesus dealt with her first Then he tells her there's no condemnation, and then he tells her, go and sin no more. The three components of the strategy of grace is applied in that moment right there with the woman and the Savior. Now, here's what I want you to understand and get today. Here's what I want you to understand and get today. Um. The problem with the church is this that while this is the strategy of grace, don't miss this, the church has actually reversed the strategy of grace that Jesus established. So so if the components are first address shame, then refute and remove condemnation, and then empower a new lifestyle, the church, if you study it historically, the church, if you study it theologically, the church, if you study it, you'll understand the church has reversed the strategy. Don't go to sleep on me because what the church says is they reverse it to say the very first thing church folk tell you, don't sin no more. That's the first thing we do. So, so so when Jesus puts that last, the church puts that first. And watch this, when you reverse the strategy of grace, you create the curse of works. Woo! Oh my God. Yes. God, huh? yes. if you if you put it out of order, I'm telling you this is gonna shift everything yes. for you. Because the problem with the church, the reason you can't forgive yourself, huh? the reason you can't move on, huh? the reason why they won't let you out of the box they put you in, is because the church has practiced reversing the strategy so that what was created to be a blessing Woo. has now become a curse. Oh. Can uh, I preach this yeah. like I feel oh, this? I uh, the first thing church folk tell you is stop sinning. So Sorry. when I was growing up in church, oh. and you were getting ready to be baptized, okay. y'all who know, y'all y'all know how this goes. When you're getting ready to get baptized, what do they tell you? Take that thing off. Stop eating this. Promise you're not going to smoke that. Uh-huh. Put that bottle down. Okay. Change this. Change uh-huh. that. Uh-huh. Change him. Uh-huh. Change her. Put that aside because what they're telling you is we've reversed what Jesus put in place. And what we want you to do is act like the club before your Christ changes your nature. Woo! So we tell them, stop singing, stop porn, stop the strip clubs, stop the lying, Uh stop what you're doing. Uh And if you stop doing it, this is the second part. And remember, we reverse the strategy. Then we tell them, then you won't be condemned. See, that's oh, still wow. how the church teaches it. Wow. The church has reversed the strategy. Now watch Jesus. this. Condemnation is still the middle component. But if you flip number one and three, it changes the whole nature of it. Because now I'm being taught implicitly, if I stop, woo, y'all better get this, woo. doing what I'm doing, then I won't be condemned. Oh, God, no. And so we tell people, huh? You won't be condemned if you stop. Because if you stop, you won't get the curse of God. If you stop, you won't burn in hell. If you stop, you won't suffer loss. Here it is. If you stop, he won't take his spirit from you. If you stop, you won't be lost when Christ returns. Oh, God. So we focus on avoiding condemnation by stopping certain behaviors. And thus, so because we have done this, reverse the strategy of grace, we implicitly, oh God, teach people to hang on to shame. Because, did y'all catch this? Because we've reversed the strategy of Jesus' grace We implicitly now teach people If you stop doing certain things You won't be condemned But hang on to your shame Because we teach people If you hang on to your shame Uh If you feel bad enough about what you did You will be motivated Uh Not to do it again This is why some of y'all don't fool with organized religion. This is why y'all have had an arm's length relationship with the church. I'm freeing somebody today. This is why, even though you love Jesus, you're trying to figure out why you don't love his church. It's because the church has practiced, not for decades, for centuries, a practice of reversing the strategy of grace so that we turn his blessing into a curse. But before I leave, can can I tell you, Thank you, before I go, can I tell you that Jesus will not allow no, the church to reverse what he has put in place. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus stands oh God, there. Oh and what I love about Jesus is that he reestablishes yes. his strategy of grace yes. in this woman's life. Hallelujah. Watch what he does. Jesus doesn't start with her sin. Thank you. Neither does he start with her behavior. In fact, he don't mention that till the end. Woo. Jesus, watch this, because Jesus is not obsessed with the obvious. Church folks are, but Jesus ain't. Obviously she's been caught. Obviously she's guilty. Obviously she's in the wrong. Why are we so obsessed with the obvious? The addict is addicted. That's obvious. Thirsty people have dangerous sex. That's obvious. Insecure people talk about other people. That's obvious. (laughs) But Jesus never starts with your sin Because your sin is obvious Why would he have a conversation About what you already know Why would he have a conversation first About what you've already experienced Oh God, is somebody getting this today Your sin is obvious You ain't got to tell him about it He knows all about it So the first thing he's got to do Is deal with your shame And you say, Pastor, I don't see the word shame in this text. So how does he deal with the shame? I'm glad you asked. Here it is. Jesus addresses her shame. Watch this. By calling her woman. Ooh. Now, you say, now wait, 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 preacher. That might be a little bit of a stretch. I don't know what you mean. Here's what I mean. Uh, notice you don't know, none of us know this woman's name, but every time you relate to her, every time you read yeah, about her, yeah. every time a preacher talks about yeah. her, what is she called? The woman caught, caught in adultery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Notice that when Jesus, oh, thank you, uh, speaks to her, he says, Woman. Where are your accusers? He does not say, woman caught in adultery. He says, woman. Why? Here's what he's doing. The way that you, he addresses shame, he reestablishes her identity separate from her activity. God, I feel like running yes, this place and aren't you glad Jesus did the same thing for you? That he, re- he addresses your shame by separating your identity from your activity. He says, I know what you did, but you're still a woman. I know you were wrong, but brother, you still a man. I know you messed up, but sister, you're still a human being. I know you're struggling 16 year old, but you're still my child. I know you messed up a thousand times doing the same thing, but you're still royalty. Because Jesus says, I've got the ability to separate your identity from your activity. Hallelujah. He will not objectify us. He will not. Because in Luke 15, the Bible says the Pharisees literally refer to the people Jesus is eating with as sinners. You remember that? He yeah. says, why does he eat with publicans and sinners? They reduce. Church folk will reduce yes, you to what you've done and then group you with all them sinners. Yeah, but yeah. what Jesus does, oh, thank God, to remove and to deal with your shame is to recognize your personhood. Thank to you. re- Recognize Lord. your dignity Woo! to recognize your humanity. He says, You ain't a woman caught in adultery. You're a woman. <laughs> you hallelujah. were caught doing something, but what you were doing is not your being. You're a woman. You were and iniquity, but that's your—that ain't your identity. You're a woman, You're a and you want to praise God today oh. huh, that He didn't call you thank what you, you did. You, you want to thank God today huh, that He didn't define you by what you did. He removes oh, your shame Hallelujah. by recognizing your humanity, oh, not your depravity. Oh God! Oh God! I gotta. Please I got to go, I got to go. Uh-huh. I, I, I don't have enough, I don't have enough. We'll do it the week after next week. Yeah. But but you got to understand, this is why, I think this is where I'll stop. Uh, this is why in, yeah. Psalm 3, 3, uh, in Psalm 3, verse 3, in Psalm 3, verse 3, the psalmist says, many, the people, many, yes. uh, the group, many, many. Uh, the church, many, many. Uh, the worshipers, the psalmist says, many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation in my God. Uh, and then the psalmist turns and says, but you, oh Lord, on, Lord. are a shield about me. <laughs> and you, oh Lord, are my glory. Oh, my in other words, he's saying, you'll shield me oh, from their impersonal insecurities, and if there's any glory in me, you will be my glory. But watch what he said, and I'm through. Jesus, what the psalmist says is, and you are the lifter Hallelujah. of my head. You missing your shout? Yay. Because you don't know what it is for Uh, God to lift your head. What I mean by that in the Hebrew, when it says lifter of my head, is that in the Hebrew ancient times, in the ancient Hebrew times and in lifestyle, what happened was only slaves Uh. kept their heads down. People who were enslaved, who owed a debt that they could not pay, who were stuck in servitude, kept their heads down because their head being down was a sign of not having dignity. But when the psalmist says, he's the lifter of my head, it means when he lifts me, it's a sign that I'm already free, free from what I've done, Free from my past! Free from my mistakes! Free from my iniquity. Free from my rebellion. He is the lifter of my head. So what you doing with your head down? Lift that head up. Open that mouth. And glorify your Jesus. Because if it had not been for the Lord on my side, my head would be bowed down. But he lifted. Hey, he lifted. He lifted Hallelujah. my head yes, to tell me yes, I'm not God. what I've done. God. He lifted yes. my head to it. tell me I've got dignity. God, he lifted my Don't head so I can be above my enemies. Yes, God. Thank God for yes. the lifting. Hey. Yeah, Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. He won't let the church turn you against him. He's about to lift your head above all your memories. just saying, woman, you're not what you did. Oh, boy. Woman. And what he's saying to you is, child, yes, you ain't what you did. Mm. And I know the church with their shame culture walked away in neglect and abandonment, Mm. but that ain't me. I'm trying to make them like me, but that ain't me. That ain't me. Thank you, Jesus. What I do, as I lift heads. Yeah, that's what he does. When everybody else oh, God, thank you. is trying to make you feel ashamed. Mm-hmm. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That when everybody else walked away, not just your accusers, but also your encouragers, that Jesus stays Ooh. to lift your head. To lift it. Mm-hmm. Do you need your head lifted today? Thank you, God. Out of shame. Too many of you, your heads are bowed low. Replaying the memories of past bad decisions. Your heads are bowed low. But Jesus says, I want to lift you. Today, if that's you, just say, that's me. Just put it in the chat. That's me. That's me. I need him to lift my head. Because when he lifts your head, you got a different vantage point. When he lifts your head... When he lifts your head, you understand you've got human dignity endowed with the image of God. When he lifts your head, it means you can see further than you could before. You walk upright. (laughs) You walk in his righteousness. Don't you let what the church has done Take away the effect of the strategy of grace That's it. that He's applying to you right now. Even now, God. In the third installment, we'll talk about what happens internally and how this literally works. But today, I just want you, I just want you to receive his lifting. That's thank the word you, God. just That's to receive his lifting. Yes, Lord. Yes. Father, in the name of Jesus, oh, we thank you for the lifting. We thank you that when many said we couldn't be saved. When many said, we'll never recover from this. When many said, I don't know what she was doing. When many said, he must have lost his mind. When many said so much about us, you were our shield, you are our glory, and you are the lifter of our heads. Thank you, Jesus. For separating our identity from our activity. Thank you, God. Thank you for not treating us Mm -hmm. based on how we behaved. So, Father, we give you our shame. Thank you, Lord. We no longer want to carry it. Lift our heads above what we've done. God, I pray even now that you will make the church, make Revision Church Atlanta, a community that is shameless. Please, Jesus. That we would neglect and leave behind the practice of shaming people who are still on their journey. Mm. And that we would activate the strategy of grace. God, make us arbiters of grace. Help us not to walk away from people who need us to walk up on them and hug them and embrace them with our presence. Mm. Father, make us ambassadors of your grace Thank you, Lord. and before i end i want to give this appeal to you if you're here today you're saying i mm-hmm. i want this jesus that one right i there. i know what the church has talked and i know what the church has done in years and and whether you've been offended by the church or not if you are not in a loving faithful consistent relationship with jesus christ this is your opportunity to accept yes, this Lord. strategy of grace Amen. and can i tell you the strategy never loses it it never, never. fails never. he'll love you right out of I want to do it. what you're dealing with yes, he will. he's about to lift your head if you're here you want to give your life to jesus or you want to join this church revision church atlanta that is actively pursuing being a community that practices the strategy of grace. Mm -hmm. If you want to give your life to Jesus or join the church today, we're going to put it up on the screen so that you can be able to see this or you can answer. We want to let you know you can text Jesus to the number on the screen. Mm -hmm. You can text Jesus to the number on the screen so that you can either be a part of Revision Church Atlanta, wherever you are, or you want to give your life to Jesus. Hear me, hear me. There are those of you who have never been baptized, those of you who need to give your life to Jesus. Baptism, baptism is that public declaration that I'm leaving my shame and my old life behind and I'm walking forward in his grace. We've got a baptism coming up soon and if you wanna be in that baptism, we're gonna walk with you to prepare so that you can declare, I'm walking with Jesus. So even now, you can text that number. I wanna pray for you. Father, for those who are making decisions even now to give their lives to you or to become part of this community of faith, we thank you for their decisions. Seal them now in the name of Jesus and lift their heads to walk into this week victorious. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you today. If you are being blessed by this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us. You can give through our website at revisionchurchatlanta.org slash give. Or if you're local to Atlanta, Georgia, sign up to join a Revision volunteer team by texting CREW to 833-406-0775. That's CREW, C-R-E-W, to 833-406-0775. We hope you have a phenomenal week.